Strangers. My name is Mackenzie. And this is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. If you guys would be so kind and leave us reviews and ratings on Facebook and iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Where do we start? I want to say thank you for being patient, everyone. Yeah, so Fatina almost died. Back. <laughs> Just kidding. Where are you at? Like 80%, 90%? I'm at 95. So Fatina was dying. And I'm also in school working on my master's. So between the two of those things, it's not conducive for consistency. (laughs) (laughs) So we are working on it. Thank you so much for giving Fatina the break that she needed because she was also traveling, as some of you guys saw on our Instagram post. Yeah. We're back. And then we also have new scenery. So hopefully that doesn't mess with the sound too much. I think it sounds better. And you can also probably hear some birds because we are in the attic so. second floor yeah we're trading <laughs> out the floor. rain sound for the birds this week <laughs> so thanks again for being patient guys and we have the next few episodes that we're both really excited about the research that we did so we're excited to share that with each other and share that with you and I think the first one that's going to kick us off is Mackenzie so what do you have for us today we're doing a place today excuse me a place Ooh. it's not I shouldn't say it's just a place. It's more focused around a place and what happened in a place than it is a person. Not a haunted place. Okay. So today we are doing the Santa Fe prison riots. Oh. Yes. Cool. And I heard about this because I don't remember who it was that I had covered earlier in the series. If you guys remember, tell me, fill me in. But somebody that I had covered earlier on. I had read that they had been involved in the Santa Fe prison riots. So then I needed to know what that was. And then I realized how bad it was. And I had to look into this further. And it was horrifying. And there's so many. It has everything, you guys. It has rioting. It has murder. It has torture. It has a lot of people doing really crazy shit. And it made me super, like, anxious and just stressed. And then I dreamed about it all night long. And I was like, I have to do this because it, like, sits with you. So now I am going to pass along all of my sufferings to you guys. (laughs) Really quick, I got my information from a special that BBC did on the New Mexico penitentiary riots. They refer to it as the New Mexico penitentiary. I'm calling it the Santa Fe prison riots because that's what I've known it as. Sure. And then good old Wikipedia. Yeah. Wikipedia. I know. Yes. Can they sponsor us? Just kidding. I I think they're trying to keep their money. I know. (laughs) They're like, listen, we have enough issue. Did you have a page pop up saying if you want Wikipedia to remain ad-free? Yeah. It was like, please donate $1.30 or something. Yeah. I get that every time I use them. Oh, not me anymore because I donated Okay, well, then I'll donate. Well, I was like, I don't want them to go away because I use them so fucking much. People, donate to Wikipedia. Save them. I'll do it as soon as I get off of here. Even though I tell kids all the time that they're not allowed to use Wikipedia for research because it's not reliable. But then again. I mean, they're not. They're still not allowed. No. We're we're full-grown adults. Yeah. Once you graduate college, then you can use Wikipedia. (laughs) 
I'll start by saying the New Mexico Penitentiary or the Santa Fe Prison is no longer being used for those purposes. So um, you can take tours of it now and everything like that, but it is no longer penitentiary that services inmates. But back in the 70s and 80s, it was a relatively new establishment. So it was supposed to be considered like one of the newer, one of the nicer, and things went downhill very rapidly. So... To save on money back in the 70s, the majority of prisoners were housed in the penitentiary in a dormitory-style living situation. So they had multiple bunk beds in big rooms. Originally, it started as just regular bunks. They had a bunch of cots or like a bunch of beds that were in these big rooms. The jail capacity did not increase. The population increased. Got it. The capacity remained the same. Okay. So it turned into bunk beds plus people sleeping on floors. Whoa. Yeah. Just to give you guys kind of an idea of what we're dealing with here, I have no idea how many it was built for, but when the riots occurred, there were beds for 963 inmates. There were different areas of the prison that were closed for remodel, which we'll get Mm. into later, so the bed count went down even further. Oh, wow. But on the night of the riot, there were 1,156 inmates being housed. Wow. And they had less than 900 beds. Holy moly. Yeah. It's a big difference. Right. So... During this time, the guards weren't receiving any type of formal training. They were also severely understaffed because budgeting had been cut. There were a lot of problems that were obviously adding up in the 70s, besides the fact that they did not have the capacity for the population that they were dealing with. Yeah. They also didn't have the the staffing required to handle such that a lot. Yes, yeah, so many people. And also, this is a maximum security prison. So we're dealing with violent offenders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like a minimum security where everybody is just like playing cards and it's fine. You can trust them. Yeah. No. It'll be great. It's not. So, and there's a weird mix of people in here. So you have like really violent offenders that should be a maximum security, but also you have people that are in here that because there wasn't room for them in other places, they find themselves here that shouldn't have been here. So it's like this weird situation of like separation that needs to occur that's not Not happening. Not happening. No. Okay. I did learn in all of this. This was an interesting fact, and I wrote it down just because I thought it was interesting. Penitentiary is derived from the monk practice of penance. So the prisons are built and designed to be like monasteries where you have prisoners that sit, think quietly, they meditate, and the idea is that they're supposed to have some type of transformation. That's how penitentiary is derived. That's Um, interesting. That's really cool. Right. So that's the idea. Not that that happens, but. And this is why. So I'm going to go into this. So this was the original idea for penitentiary. They'd sit, they'd be isolated, they have time to reflect on their actions, and hopefully it leads to some type of transformation. However, crowding is the reason that that didn't happen, the overcrowding of penitentiaries. It's because of this that they ended up having to have inmates work in the facilities, begin interacting with each other, and those the silence and the isolation never happened right disintegrated and it became more of a like community type situation yeah so the intention was there the execution fell apart because of just the expanding population yeah there's no way that you can keep all these people isolated especially if they don't even have enough beds and rooms for all of them right because it sounds like ideally every person would have a room and would have a space to right sit there and think but Best of intentions. the case. Not the execution. And if you don't have, if all parties involved aren't aware of the intention, the execution can't happen. Right. This particular penitentiary is a perfect example of how that fell apart and didn't occur. 
So because of the overcrowding, how to control the crowd became the priority over rehabilitation. So Hmm. that took precedence over any type of any type of programs, anything like that. But there's also other things that came into play as far as the rehabilitation. But because there was such a focus on control, prisoners said that physical force, particularly in this penitentiary, was excessive. In the BBC documentary I watched, some of the prison guards disagreed on that, but there Mm. were some that openly admitted, like, yes, excessive force was used, it was an issue, and the prisoners grew contentious because of that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, the guards had to have been overwhelmed. Yeah. Because there's so many people to deal with and to listen to them. So many people to deal with, and you're not trained to deal with them. So if you don't have the training in how you are supposed to handle these situations, then as tempers start to rise, violence would start to be more of an issue, or physical force would start to be more of an issue. Sure. And I mean, the guards are going to try to assert themselves as the person in charge. And these are criminals that are probably smart. And yeah, I get it. These guards are probably overwhelmed. Right. In 1976, following a work strike from the prisoners, the warden of the prison at the time actually used tear gas to evacuate the dorm where the strike was being held. The inmates then, as they exited the dorm because of the tear gas that was in there, they were stripped by the guards. And they were forced to run 100 yards while officers beat them with axe handles. Excuse me? This was called the Night of the Axe Handles. Creative name. I know. (laughs) (laughs) This was their punishment for going on strike? This was a punishment for their work strike. Wow. That's excessive. Eyewitnesses, as well as officers who were involved in this, have admitted that this did occur and this was actually the sequence of events that took place. So there's not a lot of dispute about whether or not this happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. The food during this time was awful. The prison was filthy. I read somewhere that the inspector said that this was one of the dirtiest prisons. I think he said it was the dirtiest prison that he'd ever been to. And remember, this was a relatively new prison. So things just kind of like fell apart very quickly, probably due to the crowding issue. Right. You have a really filthy prison, really poor foods. You have violence happening between the guards and the inmates. But on top of all of that, one of the issues was that control became the priority over rehabilitation. So all of the educational, recreational, and rehab programs were canceled in 1975. That's really soon after it opened. Yeah. So big part of this is because of funding. So the funds just weren't available with that focus being on controlling the increasing population. Those programs were taken away. The result of this is that prisoners were locked down for hours on end. Because they had nothing for them to do. No, nothing. Wow. So this whole penance and rehabilitation thing and everything like that is then taken away and tempers are rising. Yeah. Not only are they in prison already, but they literally have nothing to do. Right. So the inmates obviously begin to complain. One even filed a civil rights violation lawsuit. Wow. Yeah. And to keep control during the overcrowding, guards resulted to what they called a snitch system. Okay. Yeah. What's that? Obviously, this is going to go really well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rule number one, snitches get stitches. <laughs> they're, they're just like, oh, you know what? We're just going to start giving out badges to snitches. <laughs> well, yeah. So, okay. So here's what happens. Either the prisoners had to be snitches... Or the guards would tell everyone that they were snitches. What? Yeah. 
they told him either like you snitch or I tell so and so that you snitched on this particular instance that happened that somebody else is actually responsible for snitching for, but nobody's ever figured out that that person actually snitched. You're going to take the fall for it. Holy shit. For the sake of like trying to keep control and holding people accountable for what they were Uh, doing that was creating chaos. They were just again trying to start fighting, putting their foot down. You had several really prominent gangs that were in here, a lot of violent crimes that were happening, stuff like that. So like it wouldn't be out of the question for an inmate to be raped by another inmate or something like that. Right. Who was involved? Who set it up? I need to know. You're going to be the one to tell me. And if you don't tell me, I'm going to tell everybody that you snitched on this and this. Because they want to seem like they got the information one way or another. Yeah. So this is a system that they developed. Terrible system. Terrible system because... No. You don't have to explain it. There's no because. There... (laughs) Now, this is stuff that happens today. However, sure. I don't think it's so strongly incentivized. And it is not one of those things where it's blackmailed, where you're right. like, you either snitch on so-and-so or you're going to get your ass beat for not or for snitching on this when you didn't actually snitch on this. I'm just going to make sure that so-and-so thinks you do. So they're going to take care of it. Right. Like, that was not that's not a thing these uh, days. But... Yeah, you're right. It's clearly blackmail. Right. Which, if it does happen, it's not as blatant these days. Right. So, this pitted inmates against each other. It increased the distrust and violence within the inmates because, you, like I said, we have a lot of conflicting gangs here. We have a lot of violent criminals. You also have people that are doing things that they're not supposed to and they're getting caught for doing things they're not supposed to because somebody is ratting them out. Sure. And we're not dealing exactly with a beacon of silence here. <laughs> so... They're figuring out who's snitching. Oh. So the snitches began being housed in cell block three. This was considered high risk inmates as far as like their targetability. So like you had witness s- protection in jail. Basically. So you had your snitches that were living in cell block three. You also had sex offenders that sure. were living in there because they're always going to be a high target. Right. The mentally ill were housed in this area. So anyone that could be... Or elderly. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that's an easy target, they're living in cell block three. Cell block five is actually shut down during this time. They are closed for reconstruction, and this cell block houses the most dangerous inmates. They're the, the cream of the crop, the highest risk that there is. And they are moved into a dormitory style living in E2. They are ones that should absolutely have their own room. They shouldn't be living dorm style. Right. The ones from five. Yeah. Yeah. Under no circumstance should they be living dorm style. In fact, let's throw all of the snitches, the rapists, and the mentally ill into dorm style and keep them still in their rooms because they're the worst. And all of this probably could have been avoided if they had stayed in their own rooms, but that's not what happens. So they're all living dorm style. This is where things get crazy. <laughs> Which means someone's shower caddy got stolen and someone's, <laughs> I can't imagine. The real problems, <laughs> the real problems that we're dealing with. So we're now in 1980 that all of this is happening. So this is when 
the reconstruction's happening, everything like that. Fast forward, we're in 1980. So this has been about five years of people just like really getting pissed. Okay. Tempers are flaring. Yeah. We're not dealing with short-term sentences here. So it's pretty much the same group. Headcounts at night became kind of a scary situation because of the population count that they were dealing with. So. Well, guys, I live in the hood. So. <laughs> the sirens are a really nice touch. Sorry. Sorry. I'm so distracted. I'm sorry. I can't apologize for our police doing their jobs. So. Good job, officers. So during the, like I said, so during the nighttime head counts, this is what was supposed to happen. So they were supposed to have two officers that would go into the dorms. Two? Two officers That's that it? would go into the dorms. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There was a third officer that stayed on the other side of the door, and they were supposed to take all of those officers' keys that if they were to be attacked, it would open up to everything else. So they held on to the keys and all of, like, the the property that you wouldn't want an inmate to get a hold of. And then they locked the door behind the guards while they went in and did head count. When the guards were ready to come out, they knock on the door. The officer checks, opens the door, lets them out, gives them back all their stuff. This is how it is supposed to occur. However, that's not what happened. On the night of February 1st, prisoners had been drinking homemade alcohol that they were able to make from fermented fruit and stuff like that. So they they were getting turned hooch. up in their, their dorm style. Little jail hooch. <laughs> so they'd been getting rowdy. Um, <laughs> I can think of like it being made in the toilet and how that's, great that must have been. That's kind of the image that I have, which makes me physically ill gross it sounds worse to me than drinking everclear but that's just me mm. <laughs> gross oh my god you just brought back so many disgusting oh my god, memories <laughs> everclear we are not looking for sponsorship it actually from you. <laughs> it actually makes my stomach turn just thinking about it and i haven't touched that stuff in um, 10 years i would say i would say it's been about 13 14 years yeah. since i've even seen a bottle of everclear <sighs> And no, thank you. <laughs> Next. Anyway, so. Sorry. <laughs> that is what they had been drinking. Not Everclear. Homemade. Not Everclear. <laughs> homemade hooch. Although house-made hooch. There's a chance that, like, the percentage was the same. I don't know. Um, or probably better. I mean, if it had some fruit, probably at least had some flavor. <laughs> true. True. But toilet water is also the other side of that. If I was in jail, yeah. trust me. Not only would I be drinking it, I'd be the one making oh, it. So. You probably would. You'd be one of those. Yeah. I'd be like, no thanks. I'm okay. <laughs> so there was an inmate at this time named Gary Nelson who had recently joined E2. He was not considered a violent offender from what I can surmise. They said, where do you want him to go? And they were like, um, there, were, there was like this weird phone call that was happening between like the warden and the guy that was doing intake for him or whatever and they're like where are we going to put him they're like e2 and they were like are you sure and the inmate being interviewed at the time on the bbc special gary nelson was like thought that it was weird that there was like so much hesitation over putting him in there and they were like is that okay with you to the inmate and he was like it doesn't really matter where i go just put me somewhere but he had no idea what he was getting into he recalls hearing that night the inmates talking saying that they're going to jump the guards if they don't lock the door to the dorm that night during head count they also said anyone who stayed in bed and didn't help them during this process was going to get it. Oh, shit. 
Yeah. And he said that he remembers laying in bed that night thinking, please, dear God, lock that door. Like, please lock the door. Like, they have no idea what's coming. But. Wow. He gets cray. Yeah. The 1 a.m. head count rolls around on February 2nd. The guards enter the room, but the third guard on the other side of the door doesn't lock it. Oh, shit. Yeah. The prisoners take the two guards hostage while the two are circling the bunks. There are two inmates also in bunks near the door, and they rush it and take the guard on the other side of the door hostage before he's able to get the door fully closed. And then they take all the keys that the guy's holding. Cool. Because he has three sets of keys on right. him. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, they hit the mother load on that. Yeah, they really did. They strip the guards of their clothes. They put them on because then they look like guards. What? Oh. And yeah. they flood out into the prison. Everybody in E2 gets out. Wow. And they take off down the hallways. So at this time, like I said, it's 1 a.m. There are guards that have just started shift. They're eating breakfast and they hear something happening. Some commotion. Loud. They said it's getting loud. There's people pouring out in the halls. And originally they think that a fight has happened. Sure. And people are hooting, hollering. They said then they look out and they realize that there is a naked guy being rolled down the hallway. (laughs) Who is the guard. One of the guards. Yeah. And another guy that is dressed in guard's clothing that is sitting near one of the gates Uh from being closed. And they think that that looks odd and they don't recognize the guy that's sitting there in the officer's clothing. And so they very, very quickly figure out what's going on. They didn't see the sea of inmates coming towards them. (laughs) Yeah, so they see the sea of inmates coming towards them. Everything's getting really chaotic, so they ditch their breakfast, and they go out to try and shut the (laughs) gates. It's very much like, in my head, it looks very Titanic style, where they're trying to... (laughs) I can just imagine. I can't finish this granola, or (laughs) I can't finish this oatmeal. Sorry. I gotta hold on a coffee. Something's happening. And I'm, like, picturing very Titanic, where it's, like, this water rushing, except it's, like, inmates rushing. And you have these people that are trying to close off these gates that are suppo- that are designed to stop the water, right? But they can't get them closed, and they're not all working and everything so, yeah. like that, and everything's flooding. It's like that, except with people. So <laughs> they go out, and they try to shut these gates, but it's too late. Everybody's already out in the prison. You have prisoners that are blocking yeah. the gates from actually being shut down. They can't do anything. Basically, the officers that are sit that were just having their nice coffee at 1 a.m. in the morning are taken hostage. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you have a couple officers that tried to take off towards the North Wing and hide out in the prison. But the prisoners start making their way through it and they head towards the control center. So the control center is everything that flips the switches and opens doors, everything like that. Now, these... Dumbasses are too stupid to figure out how to work the control center. But the control center also has a set of keys for every single door. Oh. So while they don't know how to flip switches, they do know how to work a key. So they had just had a bulletproof glass installed over the control center two weeks prior. It's not what they say it is because... <laughs> they bought it off the, the prisoners take, jails. Yeah, the discount bro. store. The discount store. <laughs> discount bulletproof. They take a fire extinguisher, pick it up, and smash it through the glass, and they are able to get into the control center. Are you shitting me? 
And that got through and it was supposed to be bulletproof? They said that it t- made like a hole sure. in the glass. But yeah, I'm like, if a fire extinguisher can break the glass, a bullet would have been able to break right. the glass. I'm like, well, I'm not taking a lot of common sense, you guys. Jeez. But yeah, they're able to get into the control center. And at that point, they have taken over the prison. Right. Twelve officers are taken hostage in total. Damn. Which... Think of this. That's not a lot for a thousand. You have over a thousand prisoners and you have 12 officers. I know that a couple managed to sneak out or whatever, but only a couple. But there were supposed to be about 12 on. So that means about a hundred inmates per guard. Like that's math. I don't, I don't math, but yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. In a maximum. A little over a hundred each actually. Yeah, it's not ideal. So the inmates gain access to the pharmacy. They take oh. drugs out of the pharmacy and began distributing them throughout the prison. Cool. Yeah, we're, we're really upgrading from that homemade <laughs> alcohol. So they are taking all the pills out of there and distributing them out through the prison. For them, this is a huge score. Mm-hmm. They said the first inmate to die during this was considered a snitch. Another inmate took a pipe and beat him in the head and sent a piece of his skull flying before he began seizing. Whoa. Two gangs that were being housed during this time were the Chicanos and the Aryan Brotherhood. Cool. So you have a violent Hispanic gang and a violent white supremacy gang involved Mm -hmm. in this whole thing. There were many lifers that were serving time that belonged to both of these gangs, but were also part of the E2 violent offenders who had been snitched on by other inmates that were operating as informants for the guards. So after they got all the drugs out of the pharmacy and handled business there, they set their sights on the cell block where all of these snitches were being held. So that included, like I said, the mentally ill, the convicted sex offenders, and snitches who are going to wish that all they got was stitches. So that's where they are headed. For the first time in maybe forever, we see these gangs come together for a common purpose. What, did they join hands and walk towards... Yes, they did. Oh, my God. And walk towards the snitch hall? Yep. So they decided that that is where they were headed, and they held hands and skipped down the hallway, Harley Quinn style... (laughs) Also because they're probably high as kites at this point. And they developed what has been affectionately referred to as the execution squad. And no, that part is not a joke. The rest, Harley Quinn style and holding hand is definitely a joke, but the execution squad is not. Wow. So they're the execution squad. Um, They have come together for the sole purpose of getting even with the guys that have snitched on them and have increased their sentences or have resulted in them serving a life sentence, or done anything really that has made their time in prison any more complicated than it needed to be. Along the way, down to the cell block, they set the psychology office on fire. These were fires that were sent that were intended to destroy records. Some of these records were being used against them in parole hearings. So they wiped out the records in the office by setting it ablaze. And then they had the keys to open the doors to cell block four. 
So they open the door to cell block four, but like I said, they don't know how to work the control center. So they don't know how to individually open the panels to each individual cell. And those can only be operated electronically. They don't have keys to the individual oh, cell okay. blocks. We're all reassured that everything's fine, right? They're not going to get to these guys. You would be incorrect. So in cell block five, like I said, they had been doing a reconstruction remodel type thing. The guys that had been doing the reconstruction left their blowtorches. Oh, no. So the inmates go next door to cell block five and they pick up the blowtorches and they head back over to cell block four. And they use these blowtorches to individually basically melt down the doors until they can open them. That's a lot of work. It is a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. Sure. And... The entire time, the guys on the other side of the door know, during however many hours it takes to actually go through inches of steel, that yeah. these guys are coming for them. Oh, right. Oh, my God. Yep. They use the blowtorches to cut through the bars, while others get on walkie-talkies and begin negotiations with prison officials who are outside at this point. Like, they've all figured out what's going on. The troops have assembled outside, so you have some that are on walkie-talkies outside, and they start telling the police officials outside that they have plans to kill the inmates in cell block four. The officials decide, as long as the officers are not being harmed, that they're not going to intervene. What? They're not intervening. Are you kidding me? Mm -mm. During this time, the negotiations that were taking place, they said the first request from the inmates was for a pool table in every dorm. <laughs> and... What? I listened to the BBC special. I tried to listen to it three different times to make sure that I was hearing this correctly. And I'm 98% positive that I did hear this correctly, but I'm not at that 100% mark. But they wanted pool tables in every dorm and snakes. Is that a game? I hope so. Unless they really wanted pythons in the prison. I don't know. Like instead of the Adopt-A-Kitty program, they wanted to adopt a snake? Know. I don't know. One of the prison guards said that he really wanted to mention this because it was not something that was publicized or documented. It was only documented later on when they started negotiating for better conditions and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, let's be really clear about this. This riot did not happen because they wanted better conditions when their first negotiation offer was pool tables. He was like, these guys were just acting violently. It was not for them to make some type of political point. It was because they were monsters. Right. Pool tables is not going to be your first request. Mm -mm. But you're it was. You're going to ask for, you know, better food, better beds, what have you. But you're not going to ask for games. But they wanted a pool table. Yeah. Let me give you <laughs> 15 balls made of marble and a couple cue sticks to stab someone. Beat the hell out, out of right. each other. Like, no. You're a fucking Thunderdome pool style. Jesus. <laughs> These are the negotiations that are taking place. And the officials, like I said, they... Did they laugh at them? <laughs> I'm sure they did. They were like, oh, my God. They do know that they are. there are people that are getting ready to be killed. And reportedly, one of the officials outside said, well, it's their asses, basically. Let them kill each Jesus. other. The inmates could be heard by officers outside yelling for them and begging for the officers to intervene and save them. Apparently, there were windows that looked outside or whatever. So they could see. and What was happening. They could see what was happening. And the prisoners could see that there were officials outside who were not intervening. And they were yelling at them to save them because their bars were being oh. burned through. The execution squad made their ways 
one by one through the bars to each cell. And once they made their way into the cells, they took those prisoners hostage and they paid a they paid a price. Oh man. So obviously it took a lot of time for them to burn through all of the different bars. So while they're burning through the bars, there's different inmates that are going into the records office to get the names of those who have snitched on them. Oh. So they have very specific targets that they are going after in that room. Oh, they start shit. with the snitches. Once they fire through the bars and they get their hands on the inmates inside that have snitched on them, this is what ensues. So one inmate was killed when a cell bar was taken and rammed into his head after they gained access into his cell. Whoa. Inmates continued to be pulled from their cell one by one. The inmates inside were tortured, dismembered, hanged, and or burned alive. Oh, wow. With the blowtorch. Um, 16 of the men housed in this unit were identified as snitches. Um, they suffered brutal murders over the course of three hours. So that's how long it took for them to actually break into each one of these cells, pull them out, and then do whatever they were doing. The police outside watched as a guy was held up to the window and was tortured with a blowtorch to his face and his eyes until his head exploded. What? They watched it. Then the documentary, he, the, oh one of the God. officials that was outside, he said, I said to the guy next to me, did you see that? That's terrible. And he was like, yeah. And the guy was alive as he was burned in the face until they said the gas built up in his head so much that it caused it to explode. Oh, my God. There was actually a back door to cell block four that would have offered them a way out. But the keys to this cell block were not immediately available. They never used the back door. They never unlocked it. And the police agreed not to intervene as long as the guards inside were being kept alive. So all of these guys could have been evacuated and they weren't. That's absolute bullshit. Yeah. That there was a possibility to save them. Mm-hmm. Their crimes aside. This part was really interesting to me. Um, and this goes to show just how this penitentiary was set up and it was operating. Like I said, you had a lot of people in here who were violent maximum security offenders. And right. you had people in here who weren't that were in here as a result of overcrowding from other prisons. They were mixing them. So one of the guys that was being housed in this unit was arrested for shoplifting. Oh, my God. He had been the victim of a gang rape about two weeks earlier by seven other inmates in prison, and he had filed a lawsuit against his attackers. Oh, shit. So because of the lawsuit that he'd filed against his attackers, they'd housed him in this unit to keep him safe. Right. He was hanged, his throat was cut, and his genitals were cut off before being stuffed in his mouth. Oh, my God. For shoplifting. That's everything that that man suffered. Fuck. Another man was thrown off of a second-story balcony with a noose around his neck, which left him partially decapitated. He was then pulled down to the ground and dismembered. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's just... Yeah, they're overkilling. Savage. As, what? And it's all... They're attacking each other. Although, I'll come back to that, because they're not the only ones that suffer in this whole case. I, I can't wrap my head around it. Like I, the amount of overkill on this is... It's so violent. Like I'm shaking it's and I don't so shake gruesome. these. <laughs> the inmates were just going rampant, obviously, because they had been told and knew that no one was going to intervene as long as the guards inside were being kept alive. That's bullshit. Alive being the stipulation. Huh. So the guards inside were savagely beaten. Some were beaten to the point oh. where they were barely alive. Many of them were raped, violently raped, 
and some of them were just housed in different rooms and being stripped and left naked in those rooms. Torturing um, them. Just, yeah. Yeah. But as long as they were alive, everybody else was staying outside. Wow. They took the corpses and they threw them into a pile in the gym area and set fire to them, but the fire got out of control and burned through the roof. Um, there was also a fire that was sent to the Protestant chapel. It's speculated that this was because the chaplain had actually participated in the night of the axe handles because oh. the Catholic chapel was left untouched. Weird. It was just the Protestant one because only the Protestant chaplain had been a part of that. The records office was also set on fire to destroy evidence. Like I said, the guards were being beaten and violently raped during this time. An inmate's head, um, which had actually been decapitated with a shovel. Oh, God. Was used to intimidate the guards. And they brought it around to the guards. And the guards said that the the head was so mutilated and dismembered that they originally thought it was something from the kitchen. Oh, my God. And then they realized it was a person. Oh, that's awful. And they took it around to the guards and intimidated with them, showed it to them, and said that they needed to choose amongst themselves who would lose their head next. God, I have no words. Negotiations during the meantime have continued. Um, they've set up a phone because the walkie-talkie interference was just getting crazy. Hmm. They had established people on the inside that were in charge of negotiations. An inmate asked for a doctor to come in and treat the injured guards. The warden was like, hell no, I'm not sending a doctor in there. Yeah, no. Sir. Instead, they arranged for the most injured to be released. So some of the officers... Of the guards? Yeah. Okay. So they took out... I think they took out two guards on blankets, took them out into the yard, and dropped them there. They were naked. They were hardly alive. They'd just been completely brutalized. Wow. They left them out in their yard. Some of the officers were, um, during this time, a couple of them were being protected and fed by inmates. Um, Two of them were snuck out disguised as inmates by sympathetic offenders. So there were two officers that were so brutally beaten and raped that they were released by the hostages so they could be treated for their injuries. Seven of the officers in total suffered severe injuries from beatings and, and or rapes. Wow. One officer was found tied to a chair. Another was laying naked on a blanket with blood pouring from a head wound. Oh, jeez. And negotiations still were not reached on Saturday night, because remember, all of this started Saturday at 1 a.m. Yeah. So they paused for the night and resumed Sunday morning. Are you shitting me? Mm-mm. There's an opportunity for people to go in there and stop. Okay. Yeah. So they just they were like, all right, guys, go home, go to bed, sleep on it. We'll come back in the morning and we'll see if we can oh. settle this. Pick something else besides a pool table. Wow. Yeah. So Sunday morning now? Sunday morning. None of the negotiations are recorded. Accounts indicate that negotiations eventually came down to improving prison conditions. In the meantime, inmates began to line the fences outside to escape the violence from inside and began to surrender. 20 to 30 Mm. guys at a time began to surrender. And they were basically just chilling out in the yard, waiting for everything to end because it was so bad inside. In the afternoon, eventually, everybody was worn down. They were tired. Um, Enough people had surrendered that the officials outside now had the majority. So on late Sunday afternoon, um, the state police entered the prison to take back control after prisoners settled for no retaliation and an end to harassment from prison guards 
and transfers for the negotiators. Uh, the riots lasted 36 hours in total. At least 33 inmates died. Some were murdered. Others overdosed on drugs from the pharmacy. The count is possibly higher due to the incineration and dismemberment of some. And because we're not actually really sure what the full head count was the night that it started. The 1,156 is what we believe it is. Oh. But we're not totally sure because there were nights that they weren't doing head counts in general. Oh, shit. And the records were destroyed. Yeah. That's awful. 200 inmates were treated for injuries. An investigation determined that only a small group was responsible for the riots. And only a few inmates were actually charged for anything pertaining to the riots. This is going to blow your mind. The longest additional sentence was nine years. Excuse me? The longest additional sentence was nine years for what happened during the riots. Seven. One person? 17 of the homicides were not prosecuted. What? Only two of them resulted in a verdict from a jury. And the most that any additional sentence was issued for these was nine years. Prison reform still took over 20 years to be implemented. It cost $100 million to repair the damage done inside. The prison was never able to fully recover and it closed in 1998. And it's now used as a movie set. And like I said, you can take a tour of it for $15 if you are so inclined. In cell block four, they don't allow any type of pictures, but you can see marks from where somebody was decapitated with a shovel and somebody was, oh, um, there was something, I think there was something about an ax or something like that. There's like marks in the floor from Mm -hmm. when somebody was hacked up. So there are no pictures allowed in that area, but you can still tour it. And that is... I mean, that's 15 bucks I'm willing to spend. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so that is the 1980 riots of the Santa Fe prison. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Me neither. This is crazy. I know. I can't believe, though. I literally can't believe that no one was prosecuted for... They said that there were some challenges in prosecuting because... Oh, I'm sure. A, who's who, who did what. Right. So there was a lot of things about who did what, who was actually responsible for all of these things. One of the guys that was involved in the execution squad was interviewed for the BBC documentary. Actually, two of them were. One of them was like, I'm not... No, that guy snitched on me. I don't have any remorse. I don't feel bad about it. He got what he deserved. Another one that was part of the Aryan Brotherhood, he's out now. And he was involved in it, although he will never say what he did and who did what or anything like that. He's just like, people died. And they're like, did you kill anybody? And he was like, people died. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. So, like, there's, it's really hard for them to decipher who did what and who's responsible for what. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much that happened. Evidence was burned. A People lot of aren't sn- going to snitch on each other. No. Not if we learn this. anything, <laughs> it's that we Shit. don't snitch. My question is, do the officers have memory of who attacked them, who raped them, who did what to them? Hmm. What were the charges like in that? Were they able to recall these things to hold people accountable for? Like, what right. what role did they play in these things? One of the guys that was interviewed that was part of the hostages, he, like... He was just a mess throughout the whole thing. And mm. it's been so many years since it happened. And he's still, like, he's obviously traumatized from it. Right. So a lot of different layers there. But, yeah, it seems ridiculous that they literally blew up a guy's head with a blowtorch in there. That's... Somebody is only going to serve maybe nine unimaginable. years. Unimaginable. Like, that's... 
My brain can't understand that. I know. Attica had a prison riot either right before or right after, but I think it was right before. Attica also had a prison riot um, that was really, really bad. And it was kind of these things that started to launch that discussion about prison reform mm -hmm. and started to take place. Um, but I think this is an interesting argument for creating conditions that are better for prisoners. No, sure. Yeah. I, I, I hear things all the time of like, you know, they get this, they get that. We spend tax dollars on this and that and everything like that. But this is the result of not having programs, stripping them of everything that they had, giving them crappy food, the bare minimum. Right. This Putting is, them in, the, in four walls, basically. Right. And throwing them in there. Giving That's them literally nothing to live for. This is this is what is created from it. Right. And I never, I mean, I've heard people say stuff like that all the time and I have different ideas and thoughts and everything like that, but I never saw what the outcome of that might be until I researched this. And right. that was really interesting and eye-opening for me. Very clear correlation yeah. between what could happen if there's no rehab possibility. Right. If you don't give these guys something productive to do or better to do or something to make life worth living, then... Their minds start rolling and start thinking of what is there to, to lose? do. Yeah. Right. What is what there to lose? If and you... there's nothing to do either. Right. Holy fuck. So that that's is a crazy the, story. Yeah. That's the Santa Fe prison riots. Thanks, man. Yeah. That was crazy. So, yeah, we'll post the diagram photo so you guys can see um, that Fatina just found and actually, like, look and see the proximity because they were literally all over this bitch. It's, it's a big building. So, yeah. yeah, they took full control over it. But you can also see how uh, close cell block four and five were where they found the blowtorches and then they literally just hopped across the hallway over to four and started blitzing those bars over there so the documentary i don't know where you can stream it from but it is on youtube so you watch it on there if you guys want um but otherwise you can access the photos and everything like that by going over to our instagram at a stranger danger podcast you can email us ideas comments questions concerns personal stories because we're going to do a listener stories We'd at some love point love to hear your personal stories yeah send them to us somebody already did send them over to us at a stranger danger podcast at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at stranger danger colon a true crime podcast you can find us on twitter at sd true crime pod thank you so much bye guys bye